Welcome back, everybody. It's the world according to J-Caps. I think we're almost up to the 25th episode. If it's not this episode, let's just say it is. Who fucking cares about counting what day it is? At least somewhere in the universe, someone's not paying attention. And we're here together. We are... Um, I'm actually only a one... It's a one-person show. It's uh, me, J-Caps. But I'm really happy you joined me today. I have a bunch of suggestions that people sent in. And I've said before, the world according to J-Caps is a solo endeavor. But I just wanted to say thank you to someone who I didn't even mention for the last few episodes who has really... Like, I don't have any help to do the podcast, nor do I have any help doing grading animals. But um, for this podcast, there's one, not really a per- not really person who I want to thank, but it's actually, it's actually an iPad. I wanted to thank iPad for all the help they have done during the podcast, because never have I ever um, leaned on, again, not really a person, but an iPad so much that like I feel like I would not have been able to do it like this. I mean, which is, if anything, the central gimmick. What makes this show different than other people other people's shows? I have a wrong buzzer. I will admit when I think my own bit isn't going good. Whereas other people's shows, they just do the same thing forever. Whereas I have introduced the concept of doubt to the very concept that the episode should be about one thing. Um, Concept. I also said the word concept like three times. So that was also stupid. But also, all those sound effects, I have to say thank you, iPad. iPad, you have really done um, a yeoman's job. So for instance, if I had a yeoman to do all these sound effects, obviously I would hire them. But since I don't, you, iPad, are doing a yeoman's job of providing sound effects and theme song music. Because let's not forget, as long as I put on this area, this sound effect, you will hopefully listen to me for at least, I don't know, the 15, 20 seconds that uh, this jazz intro like continues to sound novel for a moment and then you fade it out and you guys slowly fade out of whatever I was talking about until the next time I go but anyway let's get to the suggestions that people sent in you guys you the audience had sent in a bunch of suggestions and here I am about to just jump into the grab bag there's a lot of them I was amazed. I was actually amazed that so many people suggested because Instagram, to be honest, has been doing this thing where it's been showing my stuff to like 30 people. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of think, I feel like that type of thing. Then I think that's when either, I don't know, I also haven't been posting on there, but I, you know, fuck caring about Instagram. It's really um, a shitty thing. To, to like be caught up with like how an app is doing, I think. I think if that's what you have to do, then is that like then why strive for success if you're gonna feel like that all the time? Yeah, that's right, guys. Don't try for anything. <laughs> Don't ever, yeah, guys. Trying, fuck that. Trying sucks. <laughs> no. Anyways, um, the first suggestion comes from Bobblehead Hunting. Bobblehead Hunting is an account of, I think, in the Pacific Northwest, and what they're doing is they're taking those little bobblehead, those little wooden bobblehead toys, and they're putting it out in the wild. And then they take a picture of it in the wild and say, hey, if you find this, post it and tag the channel and then it'll be like this weird, cool thing. And let me tell you something. I heard that, and I am all for that. So, um, 
Bobblehead Hunting asks uh, if I should tell a, a childhood story. Now that's a good, that's a good uh, idea. And here's the childhood story that I will remember for the show. And it actually, um, it has to do with, for sure, grading animals. And it has to do, for sure, with, I guess, primary experiences that you have that influence your life afterward. So when my parents moved from Ozone Park, Queens to Valley Stream, um, I was like four years old. At probably like, you know, the last three months of being four years old. And um, I think Shark Week had just started being on TV. So it was on like basic, like we were, we got the, got Shark Week in the new house. And the house was empty when, you know, it was a young family that had their first house. So, you know, we were, it was like lean years. But, um, so I remember being in what would become my childhood room, but it was totally empty. And then like just a TV was in there and it was playing um, Shark Week from the 80s. Like I think it was Val Taylor, the Australian couple who, um, who Ron and Val Taylor, they, they used to make these great white shark documentaries. And anyway, on flashes the screen of a great white shark and then, like, from the inside of a shark cage, looking out at a great white shark. And I think that, I don't know if, I, I don't know if I'm remembering this correctly, or if this is just, like, a memory of being a five-year-old. But then I remembered that the shadows from the empty windows on the walls in the evening made the room look like a shark tank. And I imagined outside of the house like a shark a great white shark so, but it was it was i sort of fell in love with sharks at that age like that was like such a primary experience and of course you guys know grading animals like i've kept um i don't know this need of making things with nature involved in them even before uh grading animals in mares and caps um the pilot like i'm I have my like part of this part of the story has uh, the my character have a bunch of uh, sea animal toys at his uh, at the character's desk. But in any case, yeah, like I've always wanted to include uh, nature themes uh, in my creativity. And that memory is like a primary thing that set me on the course of wanting like to use nature artistically or like I had this feeling that made me forever interested in nature and related it to my own life so thank you so much bobblehead hunting I really feel like I feel on my side I feel like I coherently answered that question other people may feel differently but I feel like I got through that question relatively unscathed um, so that was so I was that applause was for me and a little bit for iPod for iPad for having the applause button, because what we're really going to start doing is showing respect on this show. You know, for too long, I've shown people no respect, no respect at all. And uh, but now I'm going to turn my I'm going to be a I'm going to turn my back on that and give people respect. And one person I'd like to give respect to is the Renegade Mage, who is also a longtime friend of the show, Renegade Mage. Uh, he says video games. And you know, video games, it's funny that you bring that up, Renegade Mage, because video games are a very popular thing in today's society. And yet, it's something that I have little to no connection to except that I do like to play Go on my phone. That video game is probably my only video game that I'm literally addicted to like a mouse on cocaine. Um, it's the app called Baduk Pop, B-A-D-U-K Pop, and it's just Go, but it's the Korean, uh, like it's a Korean app. And um, 
Yeah, I'm not that good. I'm not that good at Go, but I like to play as like good as I can. And sometimes there's people who are much worse than me. And that truly is a boost to my ego. So I think video games have something to do with making you making yourself feel good for nothing. Because it's like, at least I know that like I can beat somebody who's much worse than me at a thing that means nothing. So, um, but video games, like that being said, I really do enjoy playing Go on my phone. And like I said, I'm addicted like a, like a cocaine mouse. So I am no different than any person who's really into video games because I too have a video, video game addiction. So that's bad. It's bad to have a video game addiction. But, you know, it's probably better... In the, in the long run, it's probably better to have a video game addiction than, let's say, um, like a drug addiction. Uh, depending on how much the, vi- the video game controls your life. I mean, yeah, drug addiction, though, I think would win. If we had to... If we really had to, like, set them up in a... What is it? A um, March Madness-style bracket system, and the luck of the draw just had drug addiction and video game addiction up up against each other in the first round. I'm sorry, but drug addiction is going to beat video game addiction. And if that's a controversial stance, then what can I say? I'm a controversial guy. You know, I've always felt that even though it's never been it's true. I'm truly not, but I do think that. I have a do I have delusions of grandeur of being controversial. So um, it's either that or a manifestation of being afraid of the world. Awesome, guys. So the next suggestion comes to us from um, from King Mexico. Hell yeah. And you know what? Even though I'm hitting the same applause button, I really do mean thank you to all these people. King Mexico, shout out King Mexico. Shout out King, Me- King Mexico's podcasts. He has King Mexico... And he also has uh, Los Brujos, but I think they're on hiatus right now. But in any case, shout out to King Mexico, a longtime friend of the show. Um, And he asks, how big is too big? Um, How big is too big, right? And of of course, like, the go-to thought, the go-to thought is that he's talking about dicks, right? Like, how big is too big of a dick? Because that's an implied, there's a real sense of, there's a sense of impending dick when somebody says, how big is too big? But if we expand upon the concept of how big is too big, like, yes, of course, in the context of dicks, but also the context of just things, like how big is too big of a meal? Of a dick, but also of a meal, though. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes, like, you're eating food and you're like, I'm, I can't eat another bite. I'm literally going to be sick. Just the thought of eating another bite would make me sick. Another bite of dick, right? Like <laughs> King Mexico with this, this never-ending uh, uh, game of, of uh, how big is too big. It is true, though. Like having a big car, wink, wink, you know what I mean? Or how big is too big? It always... It always reverts back to a good dick joke as long as you spread it out, I think. <laughs> and in that case, I'm talking about butt cheeks and not dick. All right, awesome. Cool. So I think we solved that problem. Uh, thank you so much, King Mexico. Thank you so much. And Matata. Let's just give a shout-out to Matata as well. Uh, Matata, a longtime friend of the show, and really... The people who have suggested suggestions so far are really truly my suicide uh, watch line. They're like my lifeline. Who They're like, and also, hold on a second. Caps, I'm going to have to stop you there. You can't get into, you're banned. You're banned from talking about suicide lest it, lest it turns you down an, a, a long road of uh, self-hatred that would derail the podcast for another, another several months. Um, Spencer, thank you so much. I appreciate that. I actually appreciate you butting in there and um, be, like trust falling me right there. And noted, 
and but I appreciate that. But I got this. Cool. Thanks so much. No problem, Caps. Uh, cool. Yes. But yes, I think that's true. But Matata says that are there any bugs that you do like? And I've been thinking about this. I've been thinking about every time I think about bugs, right? Every time I think about bugs, I'm filled with a deep-seated hatred. Um, and it's not... And anyone who says that, oh, no, that's not how I feel, okay, dude, come out of the shower. First thing, I'm going to have a bucket of bugs. If you love bugs so much, why don't you pour bugs all over your freshly washed naked body, right? Gross. I would never do that. You know why? Because I don't like bugs. I fucking don't want them anywhere near me. In fact, even if I'm fully clothed, I'm literally to in, I'm I'm likely to incinerate a box full of bugs as soon as I see them. So and then Matt Matata, so that's the first thing when when I read this question, I'm like, bugs cut it out with that shit. But he goes, are there any bugs that I do like? <sighs> then I got to take a deep breath and I got to start thinking about bugs. And like, I go through a few of them. Like I go through like ant, um, worm. I haven't picked one yet. Um, beetle next, um, leaf bug. Maybe, maybe I'll stop at leaf bug. You know what? Maybe leaf bug actually is good. So, Matata, it's leaf bug. Leaf bug is the bug that I like. And I'll actually say butterfly is also a, a bug that I like. But, I mean, and, and it's very possibly moth, but they also get on my nerves sometime. So, I'm going to probably say just maybe ladybug, possibly. But I'm not sure. But the rest of the bugs, get them as far away from me as possible. I don't want to know. I don't want to know about a bug. All right? Cool. So, thank you, Matata. Now, next... Uh, actually, Matata really did... When I said that he was my um, suicide lifeline, uh, it's true because he did come up with two suggestions. And, and, I'm, and I appreciate it because, um, you know, listen, it's a shame that, uh, that like, the, like, I was gonna, like I was saying before, just to... Um, just to beat a real dead uh, dead horse of a topic, but isn't it so messed up that we're addicted to our phones? Remember when, like, in our culture, saying something like this would be like, yeah, man, one day people are going to get off these cell phones, right? Anyways, I know it's not a very creative topic to bring up, but it does make me think of how, you know, making a show and making a web series made me more needy of people's approval than I should be because like apparently being able to do a show like the shows that I was doing I don't know I should I should I should just feel intrinsically good about that and not do all that and also feel like I'm less than if it doesn't like I don't know have this imaginary number of nothing that comes out of my phone so yes anyway Matata asks we found a kitten in a parking lot and rescued it. Actually, I think I might have jumped a gun here. I think it goes like this. We found a kitten in a parking lot. And we rescued it. That, that, that kitten would have been run over by a car. In fact, several other kittens from its litter got ran over by cars in that very parking lot. And this kitten was the only one who didn't get his head completely popped like a little grape tomato. And it was us. We. We found the kitten. We put it in a little box in between the passenger and the driver's seat, and we saved that kitten. So, you know, next time you're pulling out of Stop and Shop, just take a look around. You're... you're a camera on your car is not going to pick it up. You might be rolling over kitten heads. All right, cool. So thank you so much, Matata, for that. And um, awesome. Thanks so much. Uh, now we have uh, a suggestion from I Like Mayonnaise. Shout out, I Like Mayonnaise. A friend of the show um, has her, uh, her web series, Dog Walk, is out. I think it's on YouTube. Um, anyway, or dogwalk.com or something like that. But anyway... I like mayonnaise. Uh, says, 
fucking writing routines. And um, I like mayonnaise. Let's talk about it. Fucking writing routines. What do you guys think? Um, You know, it's tough. Like, I think that in my life, I've actually... um, Sometimes, like, if there's an idea that really captures you, then you can't help but write about it. Uh, And other times, you have an idea, but it doesn't capture you 100%, so you're, like, a little half-hearted about it. And then you don't know what to do because you're like, aren't I supposed to have the great idea that I'm going to do all the time, like, the signature thing that I do? Um, And, like, I think that, like, I don't know, everybody feels like that somehow. I think that especially when pursuing any creative um, genre... You think of like the people who you're inspired by or like whatever, whatever the hot uh, thing in the genre is at the moment. Every genre has a hot thing. That's the thing that everybody is essentially copying. Like I, I used to think of like um, Broad City had like a zeitgeist of something that was actually true of people of that age. And it was just like a capturing of a of like a, a life experience, but it has like echoing similarity to a lot of other things of its time. But I feel like you know it's like one of those things where it's like you see uh, Broad City come out, and, and I'll be honest, Broad City was a huge influence to me. I was like, damn, I want to do like merit that like their their friendship on screen totally did influence Mares and Caps for sure, killing it. That is. So anyway, but writing routines, right? So sometimes like uh, your project, I think projects feel like work, but you just got to like same same advice as everybody always says to just, um, you know, try to keep your goals and um, not think about the results, just like enjoy doing it. And I also think that something that I've done across the board is I actually do like taking classes. I enjoy... Like, I've taken zillions of art classes, and um, I've taken, like, a bunch of, uh, years ago, not so much anymore, but, like, how to use software classes, like, how to use, whatever, Premiere or After Effects or stuff like that. So, I do like taking classes because it teaches you a little bit of your own process. Like, when you complete the assignments, you learn about what works for you as, like, a having to solve something, and... um, yeah, so I've taken writing classes or like, you know, I don't know. I just I just think that's really fun. I think it's fun to um, challenge yourself. Sometimes you do a class and like you don't really like you try at varying degrees of your own energy, um, you know, and then it's like, but I think challenge challenging yourself with that when you don't have like a project that's totally consuming you is a good like a workout. It's like going to the gym or something like that. So that's what I think uh, are my suggestions for writing routines. Uh, So let's go to the next suggestion. And uh, it's this next suggestion uh, is from Connorman17. Oh, shit, my bad. (laughs) I meant, sorry, Connorman17. I meant to be like... Hell yeah, dude. I didn't mean to. I don't I don't know Connor Man 17 and I certainly don't want to um insult somebody right from just doing a suggestion. So, my bad, Connor Man 17. But Connor Man 17 suggests different types of buttholes slash poop. Just spitball in here. So, I mean, <laughs> ironically, ironically, also I don't like that suggestion. Not that I, I don't like it, but different buttholes and poop. I don't know. I can't say that I'm really into poop that much. I mean, call me a weirdo. But poop is never something that, you know what? Every time I have to poop, like I poop and then I get out of there and I don't talk about it with anybody. It's just like, ah, sometimes, I'll be honest, sometimes pooping is... I'm like, I hate to be alive. I hate the act of living. Living's, I'm like, this is why living sucks. So, nah, I'm not really feeling poop. 
But as for different types of buttholes, um, you know, occasionally when you masturbate to porn, you do see buttholes. So I will say that there are various different types of buttholes. But for me, no further, um, I don't know, they don't hold like any um, fascination beyond just being near the pussy in various <laughs> in various porn masturbating situations. So buttholes, okay, that's cool, but not also not something that I'm like so super fixated on. So ironically, Connor man, I'm gonna say I, it, good suggestion, but I, I won't I don't really have any anything more to say about it than that. Um, all right, so cool. But also, thank you so much, Connor Man, for playing and suggesting something. Because, again, I need suggestions. I need all kinds of suggestions. Suggestions that I'm going to like, suggestions that I'm not going to like, just so that I could fill up an hour's worth of time. Do you understand? I have no plan for the episode except for what you send me. So if you don't send me anything, then I get crazy depressed I put on this music. I start feeling like everybody doesn't love me. And then Spencer Fullerton Baird comes out of nowhere and is like, Caps, what's going on? Please, don't do this. Don't do this to us. And then I fade the cinematic slow piano out and I come back to the show refreshed. So... Um, Sheila the tuba says and also I feel like I have to do this now after everybody but you know what it's a palate cleanser and um, and I also yeah so uh, Sheila the tuba friend of the show says favorite signs of spring you know what that's a good suggestion because um, I actually have enjoyed pandemic springs um, that's been like a time where like like everybody's like not to not to beat a dead horse of a topic, but do you know my life changed during the pandemic? Um, and let me tell you all about it. So yeah, during the pandemic, I was able to go out to a lot of the parks, especially um, you know in lockdown, and um, I've made it a tradition. So spring is when like flat like I always notice. For me, when trees have their first bloom, when like everything is gray and like uh, like burnt sienna and all the trees are just like whatever dead leaves are hanging around and like the bare bark. And then everything turns into this like like yet like green, like bright green, fresh uh, and almost like canola yellow because of all the pollen. Um, I will say that this is the first year in a few years that I've actually been a little affected by pollen, which is weird because I feel like I sh a person like me should be much more affected by pollen, but thankfully I'm not, you know? Um, and I mean a person like me, a person who has like, you know, I have, I have what you call Jewish blood. And if you have Jewish blood running around inside of you, um, it's always what they call cavelling. It's cavelling inside of your blood. And especially when you breathe in pollen, then inside your blood, the pollen interacts <laughs> with the Jewish blood and it starts to cavell. And then you start to cavell. So anyway, that's... So favorite signs of spring. That's a thing that does happen in spring, but it, this year is the first time that I've had... Um, Minor Kvelling. So thanks so much for that suggestion, Sheila the Tuba. Uh, and now, Ben Fine Painting. And you know what, Ben Fine Painting? Guys, check out Ben Fine Painting. He's been doing a lot of good. He's been doing a lot of good painting on his Instagram channel. He has a great series of people in a pink couch. Um, it's really good. He's, he's doing good work. And he asks... How do I think the animals would grade me? The animals would grade me on a scale of their own intelligence. Some animals wouldn't know shit to say to me. They would just be like, I don't know, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't know what 
they they would be like barely be conscious of that I was there. Um, but on the other hand, some animals would, you know, have full grade books and like know everything, uh, you know, and, and also like call me on shit. Like if a killer whale graded me, a killer whale would probably grade me. I don't know, very scrutin. It, it would scrutinize the hell out of me. That would be probably what it would be. Um, yeah, I was getting a phone call and I was on my phone just now and I was trying to do the podcast and also not answer a phone call. So I, I apologize about that. And I, I want to apologize to Ben Fine Painting because I kind of phoned that answer in at the end of that. But... Um, What the fuck was I just talking about? I had got a phone call, and then I had to pause the fucking recorder, and now I am back on the show. So, I apologize for that, and hey, listen, I, I'm a one-man band, so it's going to be what it's going to be. But we were talking to Ben Fine Painting about what do I think the animals would grade me. And my phone didn't answer was that they would grade variously depending on how smart they were. But I'm now going to rescind that. And I'm going to say that the only animals who can actually grade properly, and this is going to sound like a shock to you guys, but the only animals that can grade in my style are actually people. People are the only ones who could come up with a media in this day and age for people to watch on, let's say, smartphones and can tell you what animals specifically are graded in a comedic way, but also informative way. It's like, it's just its own weird thing, you know? Um, but anyway, the, the animal, no animal besides humans can do that in this day and age. Now, will that change? Absolutely. The first animals who are probably going to understand how to do this are either, and I said killer whales, um, and they're, they're definitely a contender, but I think the next animals that would be able to make video content would be squids. Um, you know, there's a lot of underestimation with squids. Squids are an animal that we basically think of as either a giant, one giant squid that can take down like aircraft car- carrier sized boats, and then just like scungeely. Those are the only two things that we think about squids as a culture. But that is what I call squid erasure. Because there's all different types of squid cultural phenomenons that we never even... You know, this is exactly what we do. Like We're like what you call colonizers. And we think about animals just like we think about you know other continents. You know? We're just like... They're not, uh, they're, we're just going to, we're just going to eat them. Uh, anyway, so squids, like for instance, did you know that squids glow as well? Like they can do all different color changes. So can you imagine, um, just like a giant squid and its whole entire body is changing colors in like, like a gradient, going across the whole entire spectrum, like that one thing in Photoshop that has all the different colors in it. Isn't that crazy to imagine, man? Isn't that so far out? I don't really know what to think about that last bit. I thought it was funny, but also really corny at the same time. What do you think? All right, cool. Next suggestion comes from Nils DeVry, number one. And, okay. Nils DeVry is number one. Thank you so much. You also gave me a litany of suggestions because you really saw that I needed somebody to come to my aid in that moment. So um, here's what he says to ask. He says, jacked up PS4 compared to a new PS5. Now, it may shock you to know this, Nils DeVries, number one, but I have never played a jacked-up PS4, a regular PS4, a regular PS3, definitely not an old PS5, 
or a new PS5. So I have no idea what it's like to play any of those video games. What I can tell you is that I do know what it's like to play a regular PS2. And let me tell you, just like the way I play a Go on my phone, I enjoyed the PS2 a lot. Do you know that I used to play a game called Kingdom Hearts? This was a video game, believe it or not, that Disney made up and did a crossover with anime characters. Can you imagine how hurting Disney was back in 2002? That they were like, Disney is now like, Disney would never do a thing like that nowadays. Nowadays they would like, I'm only doing it if like major movie stars are in it. They're not going to do something with some like no-name anime thing. They're like so big time. But back in 2002, that's when Disney was indie. And Disney was just doing a collab on PS2. And um, it was a video game called... I actually don't think... I don't think that that Disney had ever done anything before that. I think that was like maybe one of the first things that Disney ever came out with. They were like, we're going to do this video game with all these characters from these movies. And then we're going to also... Because they were actually... The video games Disney hadn't even made the... They hadn't even made any video games yet. You know what? It's it was it was I, I know a little too much about video games to to continue that. <laughs> to continue that that in the stupid fashion that I want to. But suffice to say that I did play PS2. And um that's all I can remember about that thing. But is PS2 like PS3? Is PS4 like PS2? Would I know? Even, would I even know what a uh, video game looked like nowadays? Uh, does it look like the same thing that when it was in t- 2020, or is it better? Okay. Now, the next thing Nils DeVries asks me is submarine full-spectrum lighting. Lighting. I never heard of that, too. Is that some type of video game? I'm going to Google that. Uh, full s- Submarine full-spectrum lighting. That's a real... That's a real mouthful um, of dick. <laughs> Remember earlier from when I had that dick joke from uh, King Mexico? That was what I meant just now, if you, if you remember from a little earlier. Um, submarine, full spectrum. I'm typing this into Google. Lighting. Okay, what does that mean? Oh, is it like a aquarium thing? Dude, that sounds cool. Dude, I don't know anything about this. I'm, we're having a moment of discovery because I had never heard about submarine full-spectrum lighting. I never knew. It's a waterproof um, thing that you put in a fish tank, and I think it glows like a light. Yeah, it's a big light. I want to see a picture of it in action. This is wild. Well, I'll tell you this, Nils DeVries number one. I certainly never heard of full-spectrum lighting from a submarine. Um, But the problem is, is that I'm looking on Google Images, and it's not showing me... Every time I'm looking for it, it's only showing me either a picture of a submarine or... A picture of a guy playing cards on a submarine, or what appears to be a submarine, or um, the inside of a submarine, or a picture of a guy dressed up like Godzilla and holding a rope. So, on one hand, it sounds like a cool invention, but on the other hand, it seems like half the internet doesn't know how to take a picture of this particular type of lighting. And if you know anything about photography, you know that lighting is the most important thing to get a picture right. So if this light was so bright, how come no camera could ever take a picture of it? You know what I say? I say, that sounds like bullshit. So I'm sorry, Nils DeVries, but that suggestion will not stand. Okay, Nils DeVries also has a suggestion. He says... Ukrainian immigrants, and I guess he's suggesting that I talk about the Ukrainian immigrants. Now, let me tell you, let me go on record. 
to say that I do not think that this war thing, I don't think that that's good at all, and I don't think it's necessary. I don't know why it's happening in the world. As if everybody didn't have enough troubles as it was. They had to go and make a war out of nowhere? This seems like, why make a bad time worse? Was the world having such a great time all of a sudden that like we wanted to have, um, that we needed another war to pile on? I don't think, I'm the one, I'm maybe the one guy in the world who says that I don't think so. And I'm going to stand by that. If that's a controversial position to be like, I don't think war is good and I don't like what's happening. And if I could stop it, I would. If I could stop it. And and could, meaning if like I didn't have to do that much, like if I had to send a letter to stop it immediately, like in, in order for the war to end right now, all I would have to do was get an envelope off my counter, put a stamp in it, which I have several, of several. I have several stamps. I'd even put two. I'd go as far as to put a $20 stamp on this said envelope. You know what? I'd even say fuck that. I would put probably to stop the war in for one envelope. I mean like in one shot like $350. $350 for one envelope, just a flat envelope with a piece of paper in it. I think that's very reasonable. Because how much do you want to pay for a fucking... Like, imagine they're like, yeah, and if the war doesn't stop, you have to spend... You have to personally send another $350 envelope for the next three weeks. You, you're in it for one envelope, but it could be a 10-envelope thing, but you would stop the war, but you would go completely bankrupt. And also the war might start again. So, but yes, I also don't, so, but, but that's a long way for me to say that I don't like what's happening in Ukraine. And I, honestly, like, I don't like that Russia is being like this. They're actually, I'm glad because people were, I think, saying that Russia was cool at one point, but you know what? No, dude, they're not cool. They're being dicks. This is what, this is what is uncool to do. It's a very big distinction. Cool is not starting a war and doing all this shit. That's that's what you call not cool. So also, I'm saying I'm giving the buzzer not to the Ukrainian immigrants. I get that the Ukrainian immigrants that I'm I'm a open, that's good. But what I'm buzzing is Russia stuff. I don't like that. I don't like that starting a war shit. I'm not into it. And I think it's bad. So just make sure that you know that that's how I feel, okay? So next suggestion is, um, okay, so Nils DeVries has several, several suggestions. He goes, people that don't watch TV but listen to the radio, what do do I have to say about that? Well, you know, I think that not watching TV is more common than you think. I think a lot of people don't watch TV, um... What I don't think is as common is listening to the radio. Um, I like listening to Sirius. I listen to Sirius XM. I listen to the Bonfire. Do you guys, are there any other Bonfire heads out there? There, I love that show. That's one of my favorite shows of all time. So I do listen to the radio. So, And I don't necessarily watch a lot of TV. So am I like these people, Nils DeVries? I think so. I think I'm a person that doesn't watch TV, but uh, but I do watch TV. Not a ton of TV. So actually, I don't qualify as one of these type of people. Um, don't watch TV at all? He didn't say at all. He said people that don't watch TV. So don't watch TV means you watch TV more than... You might watch TV every day. So if you don't watch TV every day, do you watch TV? If you watch TV once a week... Do you watch TV? I think so, yes. No, so if you watch TV once a week, then you got to stop claiming don't watch TV. I think that's fair, right? Nils DeVries won. Yeah, cool. So that was a great that was a great suggestion. 
So uh, we have another suggestion from this time. Nils DeVries won. Thank you so much. And he has to say, um, he says ear infections and to talk about ear infections. Uh, I do have a story about this. Uh, so in the beginning of the pandemic, like April or May, like right during lockdown, I had waxy buildup in my ears. I know it sounds gross. It almost sounds like, should you even be listening to me talk? Because as I talk, will through the airwaves, it will trigger your wax to build. Almost like an auditory steroid that helps grow wax in other people's ears. Um, and that very well may be happening. But I had a, um, a very thick buildup of wax in about April or May of 2020. And um, what I thought I could do was take a Q-tip and scoop the old sucker out. But what I ended up doing was completely paving over my ear hole because my ear hole was jammed with wax. It was as if I stuck my head into a peanut butter jar. So there I was. Literally, I could take a butter knife and slide it across my ear and just whick up huge swaths of earwax and slap it down on the table and it would smear all over the whole fucking counter. And then I would just take another scoop. I couldn't hear shit. Inside of my head sounded like this. It was horrible. It was a fucking nightmare. Um, so what did I do? It was fucking mid-pandemic. Everything was closed. The place was a ghost town. It looked like fucking zombie apocalypse out there. And um, I had to go to the one ear doctor who would see me. And, um, yo, it was crazy. Like, I had, to, I had to wait outside. It was like one guy came to open the door with, like, a fucking... Um, bomb, de a debombing kit, and then he left, and then the doctor let me in. You know what I loved about the early pandemic? How over the top, like hazmat suit level it was. That was great. Like so, yeah. So the doctor comes in a hazmat suit. They fucking Darth Vader me down to the um to one room, and then the lady comes to see me, and they're like. We can't do shit with this. This is fucking ridiculous, dude. We, what what are you what are we supposed to do here? You should have come like you I mean, he's like she's like, "Well, let me tell you something. You definitely shouldn't have smushed it over like this. All this fucking wax smushed over you. What did you think? What did you think? Your ear Where was the wax going to go? Out out your brain to the other ear? Why did you pack it all in there?" And I'm like, "I'm sorry. Like what did you expect me to do?" And then, so what they had to do is they couldn't go with that. They had, they had to go at that thing with like a fucking chisel, like a pick. And they had to take a, uh, a chisel and a hammer and just pick away at my brain, at my skull. Like, and it was like, tink, 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 tink. Um, and then finally they broke through and it was all gooey. It was just all um, like that, like fudge now. It went from a peanut butter consistency to like a crunchy peanut butter bordering on fudge, like thick fudge. The hard part that they had to hit me in the head with a ball peen hammer and a chisel, a real sculptor's chisel, like they would have fucking carved the like the pieta out of, like a real fucking. Uh, so they're tinking away at my head, and then they finally broke through the fudge layer of the wax. They they got to the soft soft Oreo inside. And then they didn't they stopped and they took a break. And then they brought in this machine which looked like a generator and it was this vacuum. And this vacuum just started sucking all the wax right out of my head. And my head actually um what do you call it? Like went concave. 
<laughs> my head actually went concave for a second. Like it sucked so hard that like my brain like popped inside out and like part of my brain went through my ear. <laughs> went through my ear and into the machine and then it was my whole brain was covered in wax. <laughs> so they had to vinegar wash <laughs> they had to vinegar wash my brain. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is the world according to J-Caps. I don't, I hope you really enjoy. I hope you're enjoying the show. I certainly am. I hope you've been. I hope. Just remember to tip your bartender when you leave. Um, no, the show's not over. But I did not know. I can't believe that I that I even got that far in my ear infection story. I'm gonna really have to pick that one up. Um, if you're enjoying this content, uh, join the Patreon, and you'll also get a tote bag. Says uh, the world according to Jcaps, great screen printed on canvas tote bag that you can use to put with all the other grocery bags that you've been buying for groceries for the last 25 years, thinking that that was gonna end global warming. Cool guys, thank you so much. All right, next suggestion is from Nils DeVries1, who says, but I don't listen to your podcast. And you know what? That's hilarious. Not, a lot of people don't. So thank you so much, Nils DeVries. Uh, I appreciate all the suggestions. Really, even though you don't listen, you did provide us with tons of fodder, bringing us ever closer to the uh, one-hour um, episode like necessity of length that we have to do every episode if we can if we can if we have enough suggestions that is so then we have a couple suggestions from Sven K so Sven K says magpies awful shifty and um you know Sven K I know that magpies are part of the corvid family so they're in league with ravens and crows and rooks, but again, I don't see rooks and I don't see magpies around where I live. I live in New York, so I don't see magpies much, but I do envy people who see magpies. I think seeing magpies is pretty cool. Um, thing is, I don't know. I don't think I see a lot of animals in my day-to-day. I think the main animal I see is the squirrel and the sparrow, and to a lesser extent, the pigeon. The pigeon's definitely there, but I don't live in Queens um, or the city. And Queens and the city are really like, they have the sustained amount of garbage outside to sustain pigeon populations. Um, sparrows do better on Long Island because of because of that reason, really. And, it's, and like there are pigeons in Nassau more, but Queens and Brooklyn and the city are definitely, that's where you're going to find uh, pigeons. But um, as far as magpies, we don't have any magpies around here. We have crows. We don't have ravens. Um, if somebody says that there's ravens in New York, they're lying. There's no ravens in New York. Maybe there's like a very small population on Long Island. I would doubt it. I don't think that we have ravens here. Um but as far as magpies, we don't have them either. So you say they're awful shifty, and I would believe it. So I believe that also magpies are probably shifty, but I don't have any firsthand experience. Um, so Sven K also says, red ants, bastards. Oh, I think, you know what I think? I think he's suggesting episodes. I think Sven K is suggesting um, episodes for me to do, magpies and red ants. You know that? I'm so out of touch with my own show that I don't I didn't realize that those were suggestions of um episodes to do. I'm so stupid because the like I haven't put out new episodes um but then I forget that like mostly this show is people who are fans of grading animals so they were they they're thinking of that. In fact, before we go to the next suggestion from Sven K, which I don't know, Red Ants Bastards, like, I'm just going to say that's probably a suggestion 
for um for me doing an episode. And I'm sorry, Sven K, that I have I don't have new episodes yet, but I'm gonna talk about something. John K talks about season four grading animals. Uh, the first, let's have a first look and a, a first listen to what he has to say. All right. John K recently attended the Sterable Festival and got a little bit of a new inspiration to do a season four. So, John K, uh, what do you what do you have to say about season four of Grading Animals? Thank you so much for having me on the show. Um, okay, so here's the deal. Uh, I definitely am going to do new episodes. Uh, since I went to Sterable Festival, I'm like, well. Like I have to at least like like make good on this thing that I've created and at least do some new things just so that I could like have, you know, the momentum of being selected for that thing. So the on the on the other hand, I'm working like two jobs right now and like my time is like narrowed, but I do intend to do something by the summer. Uh, depending on like what my work schedule is, like when the school year ends, how much free time I'm going to have, or if I have to work like summer school or something. So I'm thinking for the summer when I get some free time, I'm really going to make some new episodes. So yes, um, for everyone who's been waiting like uh, 56 minutes into this episode to fu- to to know if I am going to do new episodes. Uh, the answer is yes. Season four is coming, and let's say this summer. Um, I've announced it, so now, um, thank you. Yes, I am gonna. I am gonna do it now. How many episodes? I don't know, but I will start to do episodes, and I guess I'll, I'll, um, yes. So that's what that's what season four of Grading Animals. That's a little bit of an announcement. Okay, cool. So let's go to the next suggestion. Uh, True Loudy. Let's give a shout out to True Loudy, a friend of the show. Damn, you know, friend of the show, and also he is a newly—he's a newly become a rapper. He has a song about the roundabouts that are in um, Wisconsin, I think. Yeah, I think Wisconsin, and he has a. There's a lot. Believe it or not, Wisconsin is the land of the roundabouts, and if you listen to his song, you'll learn all about that. But so, uh, True Loudy says, there's so many different types of aliens, why haven't I seen one? You know, True Loudy, that is such an important thing to bring up, because it's true. All my life, I've heard about lots and lots of type of aliens, right? Like, I've heard about reptilian aliens. I've heard about gray aliens, and I feel like gray aliens and green aliens is the same exact thing. But um, there's other aliens. Like, presumably, everybody in Star Wars is an alien. Um, Robin Williams from Mork and Mindy was an alien. Um, who else? Alf is a type of alien. Some of the Muppets are aliens. Like, I believe Gonzo is an alien. Um, possibly some of the monsters may be aliens. I mean, who's to know? You know, the Oscar the Grouch himself might be an alien. He or he might be a piece of slime. I'm not sure, but slime also could be aliens. If you watched X Files, there were a host of different slimes that were aliens, and in fact, the um, the the trees may also be aliens. The trees go back a long time. Let's just be honest. The trees might go back to what you'd call the Precambrian explosion. Um, so the Precambrian explosion was actually, you know, what happened was on Earth, this planet of ours that we call Earth, here's what I've heard. I heard that Earth back in the day wasn't shit. It was like, like, believe it or not, Earth for a long time was just like, I believe. So I, I heard that two planets actually smashed into each other. So there was a collab. There was an early space collab between, I don't really even know what those early planets were sounded like. It's like, um, 
it's like if you think of Nirvana, you think of Nirvana. But then all those other like underground Seattle bands from Seattle, like they're okay, but they're not Nirvana. Like Nirvana set a standard that, you know, few matched in its peer group. And that's how I feel about when Earth got created. The original planets that Earth was from, I don't know that they were as good as Earth. Maybe one of them had water. I'm not sure. But in any case, when they smashed, something happened. I think that what happened is that they smashed and then they became a new planet. They just like, they were two half-sized planets and then they cupped together. Like when you have two hands cupping, like making a circle with your hands, like a box, right? So then that was Earth, right? But then I think that there was like mostly fire, I think, because those two Earths, like those two pre-Earths, they, remember, when you smash into planets, you have to be going pretty fast. Like, remember, when you go 100 miles an hour, that's not even as fast as the Earth is going. And back in those days, the Earths go way faster than that. Um, so um, what I wanted to say was the Earths were speeding. And then when the Earth started to cool down, then little tiny-ass bacteria started to grow for some reason on Earth. And, but there was no air or anything. So it was going to take a really long time for different tiny bugs to grow into little bigger bugs and little bigger bugs than that, and then all the different type of bugs. And, you know, I like to think of it as like a lot of different things going on at once, because as the bugs were going, then also photosynthesis was going on. And photosynthesis is plants, if you didn't know. Everything that has photosynthesis has to do with plants. So what happens is, while all the spaceship was happening with the planets, the whole time, there was this gigantic sun with the most amount of lumens that you could imagine. Like, if you ever go to Home Depot and they have that aisle where it's all, like, light bulbs, and then at the end of the aisle, there are, like, the bigger light bulbs, and they're super fucking bright. And those things have, like, 10 million lumens, right? Now, the sun, it goes way harder than that. It has, like, 320 mazillion lumens in it, right? So... The sun is coming down on the earth, and then it's growing all these photosynthesis-type plants, right? So who's to say, is the bacteria an alien, or is the, is the trees an alien? Cut to the Precambrian explosion. What's happening now, I believe, is the fishes have gone bonkers. In the Precambrian era, I believe it, there was, a, um, there was like big-ass lobster bugs... There was big fish that had like um like almost like a like an ant shell around it. Like all the fish had shells, which was, that was the main thing. Like I wonder what it would have been like to eat fish back then because you'd have to like crack through a turtle shell. It might be fun. You know, do you ever look at menus from the 1950s and the 60s when green turtle was still a delicacy at restaurants? And you'd think like, wow, imagine being at a restaurant and a green turtle is on the menu and then somebody next door next to you is scooping the brains out of a green turtle and you're in like a 1950s diner. And it's like one guy is having a, a chicken parmesan with his family and it looks like a Norman Rockwell drawing. And then in the next booth over, there's a guy having a... Um, literally has the shell of a turtle open and is scooping meat out of the shell out of the out of the rib cage of a, a a freshly unshelled green turtle and it would be like yeah just another guy just what what do you expect green turtles on the menu no big deal it's 1965 and what's crazy is that in that image, you go outside and all the cars are the coolest cars you've ever seen in your life. So, you know, it's weird. Like, is does that mean that's good or bad? Because on one hand, it was a turtle-fed society that was able to come up with those, those aircraft-style cars. Meanwhile, now, most of the cars on the road suck, but we don't have green turtle on the menu because we've 
hunted it to extinction. But all, just just think, all the things we lost if we didn't go so hard eating green turtles, right? So, you know, thank you guys so much. I think that's where we're going to have to end it. But um, thank you so much, um, True Loudy. And I want to th- give a special shout out to Richie Rich uh, 4288, who uh, I just want to say, who suggested the um, uh, pre-Cambrian explosion. And um, he also wanted me to talk about turtles. And, you know, I was able to fold it into that last uh, suggestion. So thank you so much for that. Anyway, I'll talk to you guys soon and uh, have a good day.